On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, Leslie Stewart from CHCH joins us to talk about podcasting and the CFL and social media and Academy Awards and old action stars and vaccines and workplace and oh, so much more. You do not want to miss Leslie Stewart. So stick around. Enjoy. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Well, Fridays, we do a little something called the brightest conversation in Hamilton radio, and that requires someone very bright to have that conversation with. Heaven knows it's not the host. Uh, Today, no problem with that. We have filled that void wonderfully with someone you know from CHCH News, CHCH Morning Live, longtime head of cheerleading for the Hamilton Ticats and the Argos, but we won't talk about that. And now the co-host of Life, Love, and Lipstick, her new podcast, video podcast, Leslie Stewart. Leslie, thanks for doing this. Hey, thank you. Nice to, you are, uh, nice to hear from you. Well, oh, wow. you, I, I'm, I'm just thankful we can book you in now that you are living the superstar lifestyle as the co-host of this podcast that is, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how you have time for anything else now, honestly. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's funny how life shifts, right? The last year has forced all of us to kind of look at our lives and make some changes and you know as much as we've been all impacted negatively by by this pandemic there's I somehow along the way I came up with this podcast so it's uh it, you know not having the tie cats again so far this season gave me the ability to uh to try something new so I gave me a little bit of, a little bit of time there. Well, I'm looking through now. I haven't looked at all of them and I, and unfortunately I haven't heard all of them yet. Although I, I, you know, I've got much of the stuff, even though it's called life, love and lipstick, clearly at least a third of that is going to count me out, at least in the title, but there (laughs) I'm looking through some of the titles and this is great. One of them, I love wedding rings and bad Botox. Excellent. Um, again, half, I can probably speak to half. I have no idea, but I really want to ask you where you went. Because this could really affect the rest of the show today on tattoos, bald men, and how to stay happy in Ontario. Where oh. does Leslie Stewart stand on bald men? Well, the whole storyline um, <laughs> came up because apparently Prince William was voted as the sexiest bald man um, in the world. And so that's where the conversation started. And I have to say, my, my co-host, Tracy, she's hilarious. I know you know her as well, Scott. Yes. Um, and uh, so she comes out with some of the more, you know, shocking things on the show. And I just sort of play along. Um, but she brought this up. And so we, I guess The Rock was, you know, was a little offended because he wasn't even in the top 10 or on the list or something. Um, and Prince William was. So that's where it kind of all started. And we were saying, you know, should men just embrace the bald or should they kind of try to hang on or just buzz it right off? And that's the conversation went in a whole bunch of different directions, but, uh, and where do you stand on that one? The cling to every vestige of hair and do the comb over desperately or let it just go and and go natural. You know what? I think is to each his own, right? I mean, I I definitely don't want to be opinionated about something like that because (laughs) I can't imagine, right? It's some, and some guys choose it. They, they have a full head of hair and they just buzz their hair. So it's, uh, it's, yeah, to each his own, honestly. It's sometimes people look better if they just finally do just, you know, take the plunge and, and just go for it. Um, but, you know. See, I'm a big believer, Leslie, in the, 
do the best with what you've got, but gracefully accept what it is that you have. And I say that for men and for women. I am so often you see men and women who have had cosmetic surgery and you look and you go, that person, in my opinion, mostly women who have got this and overdone it, they were beautiful before Mm -hmm. and now they look horrible. And it's the same with guys in my mind who are doing the comb over or doing something desperately to try to cling to this or sweeping it forward or, you know, accept it and make it good with what you got. Exactly. A hundred percent. I agree. And, and Tracy and I, you know, obviously, as you alluded to the Botox thing, we've talked about, you know, a lot of, you know, famous people in Hollywood that, you know, have had their share of Botox and have gone too far. And, and it's a shame, like some very, you know, beautiful people. Um, But Again, it's not, you know, it's not my, it's not up to me to tell anybody uh, or suggest anybody should or shouldn't do what they want to do to tweak something. But it's, it is a shame when someone is just naturally so beautiful and they feel the pressure to do it, particularly in Hollywood, right? So, yeah. I had a hockey coach year. I mean, I was a young boy when I had this hockey coach and he was the comb over king. He had grown... (laughs) one half of his hair from the part line so that it could flop over. But back then coaches didn't have to wear helmets on the ice. And so he would be skating around and this hair would be flying behind him like a flag off the back of his head. And then when he would stop, he would do the, like the sweep up over behind and lay down over the top of his head. And it's like, who are you trying to fool? Honestly, who, who do you think you're kidding when you look like you're a a human sailboat? It it just, anyway. Yeah, and you're right. Some people do. They take their hair and they kind of swirl it around to kind of cover up the spots. <laughs> well, you know, it's, um, I say, I, I, I think that there, you know, and again, you're right. It's not us, it's not for us to say, but I do think that sometimes it may be helpful for people to hear that, you know what, people who have some wrinkles and have some age, that's not ugly. That's, mm-hmm. th- there's nothing ugly, but there's nothing g- gross about that. That's, that shows you've lived. That's okay. I agree. Especially but, if you have, you know, you have laugh lines or yeah. whatever. I mean, you you've earned those, right? And and I I really yeah. do think that, you know, people who who fear aging, I think every day and I I'm not trying to be all, you know, cliché about it, but every day you get to celebrate, every year you get to celebrate a birthday, you're lucky, right? I and mean, we're lucky to be able to age technically, right? So I'm, I'm, I, I know I'm only, you know, in my forties, but, um, but at the same time, I hope that I always feel that way, that I'm just happy to age. So I'm going to have to cancel my peck and butt implants because now I've been talked out of it by myself. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. We're right now in the absolute crux of the vaccine program and more people are being able to get it. And there are more coming in. But there are still concerns that some people have. And there's a piece in the National Post today that with the headline that says more than half of Canada's AstraZeneca vaccine came from a U.S. plant accused by the FDA of quality control problems. And of our 1.5 million cases, it came from a plant in Maryland that the U.S. says they won't allow to be anything from there to be used until they check it again. But we're bringing it in. It's just another example. I'm not talking about this one in particular, but do you, when you, I don't know if you've had a vaccine shot yet, but do you worry or are you at the point where you say, no, I just want to get it regardless? Or do you say, I don't want to get it regardless? Do you know how to think about this right now? 
Uh, you know what? I'm I haven't had it, and uh, you know, right now for basically anybody under fifty or fifty five, it is all the only option unless you're in a hotspot, as you know, is the AstraZeneca. And so this is the one you're alluding to, right? Um, and again, I I know there's I know a lot of friends right now who are getting it and who've had it even today, yesterday. Um, but I'm not. I don't plan on getting the AstraZeneca. I plan on waiting um, until I have maybe a little bit of a choice. I know people are doing that. They're backing out. Some people are fine with it, but I'm, I'm in the real mixed category right now. I'm feeling a little uneasy, particularly, as you say, with that news and the constant fluctuations and changes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, look, you look at the numbers and if we are purely rational people and the numbers are like, there's a blood clot reported for one in 250,000 cases or something. If we're being completely rational, we probably say, well, the chances of me getting hit by a car if I cross the street are greater than one in 250,000 or getting in an accident when I'm in my car or choking on food if I'm eating a piece of meat or something. I mean, Uh the the odds Uh are probably better. So why why is this, and, and you're not alone by any stretch. I mean, there's lots of people who are saying the same thing. Why then do we get freaked out or creeped out about this? I don't know. And yeah, I mean, and to your point, I mean, you know, I know women taking, you know, the, the pill or all different types of medications. They're all high risk. Like there's all kinds of risks that come with different vaccines and medications, but we don't really think about it. But I think it's because it's sort of in our face and it's being we're being told every day that there are risks and and to go and just all of a sudden let someone inject you with something. It, it, it's a little scary. Um, and, you know, again, it's just the government right now. Um, it's, you know, one minute when AstraZeneca was first introduced to us, it's over 55, everybody over 65. Then it was, you know, nobody under 55. And then it's just and now then they moved it to 40 and then now thinking about 30. It's just the trust factor, I think, that makes people a little bit concerned. And I think you're right. And I'm wondering if this is then the result of people not trusting, fairly or not, not trusting governments mm-hmm. of all levels, of all party, of all stripes. Is it the fact that we have many, many people don't trust the people who are in power? And therefore, if they tell us that, this is absolutely fine and you should do this, that we say, wait a second, I'm not sure. Do you think if this had been delivered by, I don't know, I mean, I'm coming, it's crazy. It makes no sense whatsoever. I understand that. But a company, let's say Apple, a company that everybody says, oh, you know, I love Apple products. I I have an Mm -hmm. iPhone. If it was by a company that we completely trusted, do you think we'd still have these questions or would we still be skeptical because it was so quick? Um, I mean, that's a good point. I I do believe uh, you're, we're all starting to feel people are losing our faith and trust in the government right now after a year of kind of being all over the place, right? I think this time last year we were just putting, you know, we wanted we wanted them to tell us what do we do, and there's been just I know they were flying by the seat of their pants too, right? And I you know I do give them credit for that. They're only human as well, but. Obviously, there's been a lot of mistakes. And then just to to change their minds so quickly from one week to the next on certain, particularly vaccines, it it, it, it does. I think a lot of people's faith um, is shaking. <laughs> Shaky. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm look, I, I think you're bang on. And, and, and I, I really do think that one of the things that would have made the whole vaccine, I mean, look, a lot of people are totally fine with it and lining up to get it and have no worries about it. Mm-hmm. I, I think if somehow the government could have had some spokesperson communications that were entirely unrelated to government pushing yes. this more, it might have led to less worry but we do. I think an awful lot of people look at the government right now, of, and again, government of all stripes, all levels, all politics, and right. say, you don't know what you're doing. Why am I listening to you and believing you on this? And the people who are skeptical, I think that's exactly where it's from. Mm-hmm. I, I agree 100%. I'm hearing a lot of people now, you know, obviously, we're, we're, there was an election, a federal election looming. We, a lot of people don't know who they're going to vote for. And I'm, I'm hearing people say, you know what, I'm not even going to vote. I, I'm giving up. And that's not a good position to be in. Obviously, we need to vote to, you know, to to reach positive conclusions and, and have a great government. But obviously, everyone's shaking from you know, provincial government being different from federal government. And I, I think that people don't know what to do now. Moving and forward. and we got to take a break here. But, you know, one of the fun, one of the things that has been raised an awful lot, I've heard an awful lot lately is does anybody really believe, and once again, doesn't matter what political stripe or level you're talking about, does anybody really believe that a different party in power would have handled things or really led to a completely different outcome? And they're saying, no, it would have been the same. Exactly. Who knows? Okay. We don't know if that's true or not, but that that is a, a view that seems to be getting some traction now. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Leslie, when COVID finally does relent, are you dying to get back into the office and being full-time around other people? Are you thinking, I want to spend a little bit of my time in the office and a little bit of time at home? I want to spend all my time at home. What would be your ideal breakdown when this whole thing is over for work? Hmm. You know, um, I was actually at burnout stage with all of my jobs just prior to the pandemic. And uh, I remember, you know, just sort of thinking, how am I going to simplify my life a little bit. So it sort of was, that was one of the positives for me. It it allowed me to step back, um, you know, from my jobs and sort of figure out what was important. And obviously family first, right? So my son, Jack, is most important and, you know, and my my parents and brother and sister-in-law. And so that is first for me, but obviously from a work perspective, to answer your question, I don't want to be sitting in an office. That's not ever really been a thing for me to really sit in an office but I do miss traveling. I miss the CFL. I miss football. I miss being in, you know, on the sidelines. So that part, absolutely. I mean, the CH, luckily, I've been able to still continue to work. But um, thank goodness for that. But, you know, I really do. I miss travel and I miss traveling for work. So mm. office, no. <laughs> well, and the reason I ask you is there was a study done by a company down in the States. And, you know, I don't know if they followed all the survey scientific protocols or whatever else. I, probably not. But anyway, they asked several thousand people, workers, what their intent was or hope was when COVID was over. And I found the number, one of the numbers that they found shocking, 58% of the people they surveyed said they will look for a new job if when this is over, their company says you are required to come back and work in the office full time. Two thirds almost wow. of people say, if you make me come back and work like I used to in the office, I'm gone. I'm going to find someone who lets me work from home. I found that stunning. 
so again, I get, I imagine these people have had a chance, you know, we're on this treadmill every day, right? We get up, we do our thing. You don't really have time to sit and think through what you're doing, right? And I think a lot of people have had a chance to think through. And so, I mean, I can kind of see that, that, you know, people are saying, you know what, that's actually not how I want to spend my life. And I want to shift to something better. I don't want to sit in an office anymore. And if I have Is it office, better though? Leslie, is it better? And I'll tell you why I asked that. I, I like, I love working from home, but mm-hmm. you know, cause you save the time to get ready for it. You don't have to get dressed or at least spend as much. You have to get dressed, but not like the same <laughs> way. You don't have to commute. You don't have to make your lunch beforehand, all those things that you're wasted time. But mm-hmm. the flip side is, and what a lot of people, including me have found is if I'm now home, I just spend more hours working because I feel that time that I would have spent with all those other things, just doing more work. So is it better? Mm. I, I think from a connection and social um, perspective, it's not. I feel I get, I like people. I like being around in conversation. I mean, I can't believe I find great joy going to the Starbucks drive through right now. <laughs> so, you know, I was actually talking with the girls today at Starbucks and they said, you know, we actually feel privileged that we all have, we get to talk to people every day because that's where people are really struggling is the connection, Right. Um, you know, I think that's where being in a home office, people are struggling is missing their coworkers a little bit. And maybe that's not so healthy either. I think, I think it speaks, uh, I think this number, you know, again, 58% saying they want to work from home. I think it does say something about what has changed with our social lives. Now that doesn't mean those 58% don't want to work from home so they can be done at four o'clock and go out to the local cafe or patio or bar and start drinking with their friends. I mean, I, it doesn't mm-hmm. say they don't want to be around people, right. but it suggests they don't want to be around people as much. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I, I just heard the other day and I don't remember the actual stat, but they were saying that apparently, you know, last year they, you know, employers were finding their employees were working very hard from home. And in fact, as you just mentioned, working harder and being more efficient and really, you know, just pumping out the work. But apparently this year, people are actually sort of going the other way and not being as efficient and really just not being great employees working from the home office. But I think people do like having the freedom of a home office. And as you say, the ability to just come and go as you please, and maybe address your work when you want to versus being stuck in an office and working nine to five. I will find it very challenging if the day comes that they say you've got to go back and work in the office full time after a year of wearing t-shirts and pajama pants most of the time. (laughs) And, 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 I mean, and entirely changing my day clock because in the past, again, you'd roll out of bed, you'd have a shower, you'd get ready. You do now I roll out of bed. I start working mid morning, early afternoon. I'll have a shower when I, you know, when I get a break, when everything has changed Mm -hmm. and this same study. And again, this number I find amazing. Only 2% of people that they were polled in this say they are looking forward to full-time office work again. 2%. 2%. What does that say about offices and about what we've been doing to people if only if basically nobody enjoyed full-time office work? Wow. Well, again, it's that opportunity to be able to sit back and look. And as you say, this wasn't just off for a month. This is a year, over a year, of being able to try your life in a different way. And you're like, you know what? This is way better. I don't this want is- to be stuck in an office and stuck to those hours. I, I, I absolutely understand that. 
I wonder if the, when we go back, if they do make us go back, if they'll let us wear the pajama bottoms and t-shirts and come in unshowered and unshaven and, and just say, you know what, it's kind of like home, only not. We'll see. Well, like, I know a lot of females have been saying, you know, try putting on a pair of jeans right now. I Probably for guys and girls, you know, when you're used to wearing like, you know, your, your tights or your, you know, oversized track pants and then you go and put on a pair of jeans, you're like, whoa. <laughs> very constricting. Yes. I had to go out today to the doctor and yes, very constricting all of a sudden, <laughs> but I didn't think it was appropriate to go out and just boxers to see the dog. Anyway. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. So this is a really tough one. This is a serious one. And, and let me just introduce this by saying what I'm going to ask you about is not really the topic you'll understand in a second. This week, we know there has been all kinds of issues around police and police shootings and police killings and George Floyd and everything else. Well, this week, there was a police shooting in Ohio and a police officer on camera shot and killed a 16-year-old, which led to LeBron James coming out with a tweet saying you're of a photo of the officer and it said you're next. And a lot of people said that is a threat against this cop. And then when the video came out, it certainly appears to show that the person who was shot and killed was attempting to stab another person, both African-American girls, and that changed the storyline. Well, this, Leslie, and here's the point. We have seen in the past the big social media companies take strong stances against people who have said things that are either d- interpreted as causing violence or, or in whatever, they did nothing with LeBron James with this. He took the the tweet down, but a lot of people are saying, wait a second, you either have to be consistent or by taking all things down that are troubling or causing issues, or you let everything go and let people sort it out. And it comes back to a discussion about social media, in my mind, social media and free speech and where should they have a responsibility to police what's on their platform or do you say, no, we're going to let people say what they want and sort it out, I'll let people sort it out? Where do you stand on the social media companies being the police officer and sometimes censoring or not censoring things that are on their platforms? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think we really saw that, you know, with the whole Donald Trump situation, right? Where, you know, for maybe for very good reason at some points, um, he was censored, right? And, and, with all of the Twitter comments and all that type of thing, you know, it's tough because we do have this freedom of speech thing, right? We were supposed to be allowed to say what we want, but right now we're also in a very sensitive society. And I don't agree with what LeBron James said, um, you know, especially given the situation. And, you know, the whole other side of this is, you know, sports and politics and how those two are constantly crossing over into one another nowadays. But yeah, you know what? I, I really, I'm really on the fence with that one, Scott. I, I, I struggle because I do believe people should have, you know, they should be able to say what they want to say, but people are being so, people can be very inappropriate and I don't love social media. I think it's gone too far right now. And no, I I, I'm with you on that. Swings back. Yeah. I'm yeah. with, I'm with you on that. I, I think social media has, it has done good things, but there's off mm-hmm. an awful lot of space there for horrible things. The challenge here is once you have, I think as a social media company, once you have injected yourself as that police officer, not 
probably a bad choice of words under what we're talking about that that uh-huh. that overseer who is deciding whether something is appropriate or not to be on the site i think you've opened a pandora's box to say you have to now be very very consistent or you look like you are playing for politics or playing for certain philosophies or uh-huh giving leeway to one side of an argument, but not to another. And I I think they have in a lot of ways made a messy bed for themselves to lie in. And, and you're right. They know the Donald Trump situation, an awful lot of people, even on both sides of the aisle would say some of the stuff he said, we didn't need to hear that. Mm -hmm. And yet, as soon as you start to say, well, we're going to take this person off or this person off or blank this, do you not have to be consistent across the board? And if then someone says, hey, look, a celebrity did something that many people believe was dangerous because it put a police officer's life at risk who may have actually just done his job. We can let people Mm -hmm. decide that for themselves. How do you not then block him or suspend him or something? It's really, it's it's a bad spot they've put themselves in. Yeah, no, you know what? And yeah, and to really, you know, answer your question specifically to that absolutely if you're going to censor one person you should be doing the exact same thing for the next and and that you're right they really puts them into a you know a sticky situation if they're starting to pick and choose then what oh my gosh the problem gets bigger well yeah and and you know it's going to like we don't know Uh, all we've seen from this case by the way is the video which seems to suggest that the officer had reason to believe that the other mm-hmm. person was in danger. You know, this will be sorted out. That that's, This is not really what we're talking about today is whether or not it was a fair decision right. by the officer or not. It's the immediate response that some would say was dangerous and irresponsible to dox. That's the word they mm-hmm. use these days to dox this police officer without knowing all the facts. Well, you know, it was interesting. I'm not sure if you heard this, but Don Lemon on CNN He actually spoke up, right? And he said, you know, we need to look at each situation case by case because we're going to have another big problem on our hands if all of a sudden, you know, an officer shot a, you know, an African-American and he's at fault all the time. And so I'm really glad that he did speak up and, and say that because really it should be case by case, right? Because we don't know the situation. And luckily for body cams now, you know, things will hopefully get sorted out. But uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the where I think they're going to fall down on this one, and I'm with you. I, I, I support almost, almost absolute free speech. Almost. That, that doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, there are, of course, there are places where you can't go. But yeah. if they had, after banning Trump and others said, you know what, we're suspending LeBron James for five days or something because we felt this was inappropriate. You would have gone so far to set the table to show that we're not going to accept stuff that's questionable. Now I think you, all you've done is muddy the waters and, Mm. and you know, who knows where this thing will go from here. And again, we don't even know all the facts of this shooting yet. We only know what we're seeing and you know, the video helps, but it's a, it's a tricky one. Social media has become an absolute swamp of, you know, quicksand that we don't know what's good, what's bad, what's allowed, what isn't allowed. We'll see, but they've got, they've created a bit of a messy bed for themselves. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. Do you think it's going to happen, Leslie? They've said they're going to start now in August and they're going to play 14 games and have a Grey Cup in December. The Leslie Stewart prognostication machine says what percent chance that happens? 
Oh, it's so hard because we're relying on the provincial government, right, and the federal government on so much of this, right? And if we can get the vaccinations rolling and what, you know, what will be the restrictions? I had heard internally that we were originally going to maybe start on Labor Day and have perhaps only, you know, eight games or, and then, so it has fluctuated. So August, we know we're a gate-driven league. Scott, you know that just as much as I do. Um, We need bodies in the seats. And it's hard because I, I think my hope, you know, maybe outweighs the reality of it, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) Grey Cup pushed back to December 12th. Wow. Um, You know, but I, 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 I'd like to just be hopeful right now and, uh, and not, and not be too pessimistic about it without really even answering your question properly. <laughs> well, funny you mentioned the Grey Cup in December, and I've had a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people online saying, oh man, it's going to be so cold. Well, first of all, it was already going to be in late November. It's not like yeah. suddenly we go from balmy Bahamas to, you know, the tundra. And the other thing is we talked to Rod Peterson in, in Regina this week, and we recall that when the Ticats were in not the last Grey Cup they were in, I don't think, but a few years ago in Regina, it was like minus 700 the day of oh, the game. So it's not like, it, you know, it, it, we've had cold Grey Cups. We, we'll live through a cold Grey Cup. That's not the end of the world. The issue right. is, can you get to the Grey Cup? Mm. And, you know, I, it's, uh, it, yeah. yeah, that's that's the sound a lot of people are making is, I hope, yeah. but yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't it's so know. sad because the Ticats, we haven't had, we haven't hosted a Grey Cup here in Hamilton, you know, our whole city since 1996. So we're, we're so hopeful and excited for this amazing, epic show they put together. Like it was going to be phenomenal. I, I know you know how it was going to look. And it's sad. Say is. Say is. Doesn't have to be was. Right? You could say is. Well, yes, I think it's still <laughs> going to be. Uh, stop. <laughs> I'm not sounding very good right now, am I? But I just know the, that what the intentions what the intentions are, and it, it's going to be amazing. So I hope that we can pull it off because Hamilton deserves a Grey Cup again. So you know, the other thing, and we're just talking about cold in December. Um, in nineteen ninety six, I think most people remember what that game looked like. Mm. I don't. I would have no problem whatsoever if we had another Grey Cup in a blizzard. I think the one thing that separates Grey Cups from the Super Bowl that I love. Yep. is weather. The fog bowl, the ice bowl, the snow bowl, which we had in Hamilton. I yep. love that weather can be a factor in that game. And you know what? If there was a foot of snow during the course of the game, I would be totally on board with that. Right. I love, I love, you know, as you say, Canadian football, where in the middle of the game, whenever they can, they're, you know, they're taking their little shovels and trying to clear off the yard lines. Like, how often is that? Yeah, it's way, way more interesting than just having it in Miami all the time or Arizona all the time where, you know, yeah, you get rain occasionally. I remember the last Super Bowl or one of the last Super Bowls in Miami when Prince was playing at halftime in a, in a downpour. But, you know, that's right. that's the extent of the excitement around their weather. We can have wind blowing sideways with sleet and we can have snow and the whole field can be frozen over. Or as I said a moment ago, you, we've had the fog bowl where, thing, you know, it's... Mm-hmm. We just got to get the game. You can't have the bowl, the bowl of whatever weather if you don't have the game. What do you think? And, and you know, I've talked to a lot of people about this uh, in the last number of days. What do you think? You said eight. Is that the minimum number of games you do, do you think you could have to make it a real season? Or could you say, look, if it comes down to it, we'll play four games and then have a playoffs just to get a great cup in. What would, what would be the minimum? 
I mean, well, we've seen, you know, you know, other other leagues, you know, do what they have to do to get by. But I think I think eight would be ideal as a as a minimum. But I think right now people really miss our game so much that they would take whatever they can. Mm. Obviously, it's a financial thing for the league, though. I mean, we I mean, look at the money that was lost last year, potentially up to 80 million dollars. It's, you know, if you put, I guess, you put the finances aside, people would, I think, would love just to have a handful of games if they can get them. What do you do now? I've never asked anyone this, and you're not involved directly, I don't think, anymore, but what do you do as far as a cheerleading team this year if you don't even know when it's going to start? Do they go ahead and put one together and just do public events if they can, or do you just say, oh, we just can't do it this year? Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, I... I believe that all the teams are are planning. Some of that already kind of had auditions, sort of Zoom auditions online, and uh, and just planning for it. And yes, of course, the cheerleaders are is you know important in in the in the community as you mentioned. So, I think you do you plan for it and you hope for the best. Particularly here in Hamilton, you know our cheerleaders are going to need to plan to potentially host a Grey Cup. So. It's I just thought from a financial perspective again, you know, for each individual franchise they're going to want to cut back on their staff in general. And, you know, cheerleaders are just another piece of the pie, right? Well, you know, and with social distancing now, the way the stadium is now aligned with Tim Hortons Field, the cheerleaders could be on the mountain brow up by the hospital, cheering from there with a spotlight on them. They're safe distance. You can sort of see them. And, you know, you could do something. You'll find some way. And then at the other end, you'll have... You know, you'll have other, there's lots of ways to do this and still make it safe. Just got to get there. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Leslie, do you know what is coming up this Sunday on TV? What's coming up this Sunday on TV? Is that what you asked? Yes. Yes. Do you know uh, what's, what's on this Sunday? The Oscars. The Oscars. You knew. All right. That, that is, you. you are way ahead of most of the population, I think, already. <laughs> really? Honestly. I, do you think most people knew the Oscars are on this Sunday? Well, you know, remember they changed the date a couple of years back. And then, you know, of course, I think with the pandemic, people don't even know what day it is. So I don't blame people for not knowing. I just, I just happen to know because I enjoy watching them. So, yeah. I don't think too many people knew. And part of it may be because, as you say, because they did switch dates because of the uh, because of the pandemic, but also year after year, they have been dropping last year. They mm. dropped another 20%. And I'm wondering, why do you think, I mean, surely, especially now, because we have been locked in our homes. We talked about this last hour. We have watched more movies and more Netflix and more stuff. Surely we are more engaged in this than ever before. Why do you think the numbers continue to go down for this? You know, it's interesting. I, my first response would be that I think people's attention spans are really short anymore. And these kind of just go on and on and on. But as you said, people can engage in a Netflix binge for days upon end. So That's true. not necessarily maybe the, the reason. I, I don't know. It's a tough one. Maybe, maybe people just are, you know, with social media and the world being so small, people don't really maybe find these people as fascinating as they used to. I don't know. Or maybe they don't think the movies are as good. That could be, and we'll get to that in just a second. The other part I wonder is, do you think people are 
Once upon a time, Hollywood stars were considered the height of glamour and mm -hmm. they were what you wanted to be. And now I get the sense, and I don't know if it's because if it's because some of them are politically active or if we don't like their movies as much or if we have this not we're not so fond of the one percent or whatever but i don't get the sense that people look at hollywood stars with the same reverence and awe they once did it's funny you said that i just said that to my parents a, a week or two ago i said you know i think back to their era and and the way you know to your point the way hollywood stars were held and you know in the glamour of hollywood back then it's just not the same anymore there's it's kind of watered down right just sort of watered down kind of like baseball <laughs> Well, it got watered down. <laughs> but I mean, who who today, and there are some, I'm not saying that this was about all Hollywood stars. I mean, who today would be someone that you would say they still meet that standard that almost anybody would think that is a person I would be really excited to run into or to meet. And I mean, like one name that comes to mind to me, Tom Hanks, I think has managed to yes. still maintain that kind of old school Hollywood mm -hmm. aura. I agree Maybe George That's Clooney. I was going to say George Clooney. That's who I was going to say as well. So I agree. I mean, maybe, maybe Brad Pitt, because, you know, possibly I mean, perhaps, I mean, he's not only yep. is he like a handsome guy, but he has done some great movies, right? He is talented. Um, I, Tom Cruise. Um, Sorry, you say Brad Pitt was handsome. I just want to clarify here. Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> is that all? Sorry. Yeah. No. <laughs> Um, but so, okay. So there's a few, and I mean, on the, on the female side, I, I was trying to think who it might be. And I guess Julia Roberts would Julia still Roberts, fall into yeah. that category. Meryl Streep, you know. Jennifer Aniston. Okay. But it's like, it's, it's not a, and maybe if we sat here for an hour, we'd extend the list, but it's not a obvious long list of the people I don't think anymore. And one of the things I find so interesting about almost all of the people we've just mentioned maybe with the exception of George Clooney a little bit, but not much. All of those people, I think, Leslie, have been apolitical. They have not been mm. outwardly, vocally taking one side or another, which I think in this current modern climate lops off half your audience and makes people hate you. I think that th it says yeah. something about the smartness of them to say, I'm not, I'm an actor, I'm an entertainer, I am not going to kill off a huge chunk of who might watch my movies or listen to me because mm -hmm. they don't like my politics. That's a really good point. That could be it. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier on in the show, when I talk about athletes, it's the same thing that's happening. As you mentioned, LeBron James, I know people now who actually hate that he talks. They don't even want to hear from them. They're like, just play basketball, buddy. You know, and, and there's been a lot of, you know, teams or the actual individual franchises within leagues talking too much, being too political. And, you know, sports used to be the place where that was our place to go and f escape and forget mm. about the politics and the rest of the world. And now, same with movies. And now everything's all political all across the board. So that could be it, Scott. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I again, as we go through the people who who really, as I say, still seem to rise to that level of what we think of as an old school Hollywood star. There mm -hmm. aren't too many that at least, you know, someone can write in Radley at 900chml.com if you have a, a name that you think I'm missing or that Leslie is missing. But most of the ones that still hold those places somehow have managed to just, they, 
and I say just to remain entertainers. They are entertainers and that's what they do. And that's enough. Well, and you know, and I just mentioned, you know, Tom Cruise briefly. And remember what happened when he started being a little bit more, you know, open about the whole Scientology thing, all of a sudden it was polarized, right? And, and all and then he had haters and, and, and he quieted down. I think people, his people quieted him down um, to make sure that, he just sticks to being an actor because it wasn't good for his career at the time because he is one of those old school Hollywood actors. He, yep. He's awesome. Right. And he's yep. done a million movies. So he would definitely, that would be an example of it for sure. Uh, I, I was looking through today because we're talking about the Academy Awards. The Oscars are on this Sunday night, just in case you didn't know. And I, I you're not alone if you weren't aware of that. A, a lot of people sort of have lost track. Another issue here. And I think that's the uh, that's one of the big ones. And, and I think people, honestly, again, with these award shows, whether it's the Oscars or the Emmys or the People's Choice, I don't even know if they still do those, or Golden Globes or whatever, I think there's an awful lot of people that have tuned out also because they just don't want to be preached to by some of these very politically yep. vocal people who, you know, how many times did you hear, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio gets up and talks about global warming right before yeah. he gets on one of his private jets and flies around the world to go to Monaco. And you're like, wait a second, you're talking about something and then you're not doing, I think a lot of people have sort of picked up on some hypocrisy and they don't like to be preached to. But Leslie, the other thing, the nominees for best picture this year, which I always, mm-hmm. best picture, it always sounds so erudite, best picture, not best movie, best picture. Um, mm-hmm. The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, The Trial of the Chicago 7. I'm not commenting on good or bad. All those movies, they may be fantastic. I've seen none, mm. which is now a common thing with me. But where are the, again, the movies from back in the day when everybody had seen those movies and had a rooting interest for Best Picture? I agree. I know people that I work with at uh, at CH were posting and saying, hey, you know, I'm trying to catch up on now that they see the list, right? I got to catch up on these movies and try to watch as many as I can. Because exactly that. Same with me. I haven't seen any of them. I thought maybe I should watch Nomadland. I I wanted to kind of see that one. But I normally, as you say, most people would have seen all of them, right? Or at least most of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. look, w- w- the year that, for example, and I, what did Titanic win? Like 11 Academy Awards the year it was up? Yeah. Show me the person who had not seen Titanic that year. Exactly. Everybody. So so even if you only had seen the one, there was a huge blockbuster that you may have loved, you may have hated, but you at least felt something. So when mm-hmm. James Cameron got up and did the I'm the king of the world thing and you could go, oh, come on, sit down. You're an idiot. Or you may have said, that's fantastic. He's a genius. But you felt something. You had some connection. Now, I don't know. Another reason why maybe people just aren't tuning in because they're not really, you know, emotionally connected to any of these movies or these people, right? Like, you know, who's going to be best actor. It just, maybe they're just not connected. I, yeah, there's, there could be, there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of reasons out there. The world has definitely changed in the past year or two, but as you said, you know, every year the Oscars has been dropping. So it's not just because of the pandemic. No, I, I almost wonder if the people behind, if the Academy, the people behind it, even though they may have to plug their nose a little bit when they do this, should just make sure that every year one or two of the nominees in best picture may not even be a contender but just to put a movie or two in there that everybody has either seen or knows something about. 
seriously, yeah. just to just to connect with people. Very, very true. And I know a lot of movies were never even released over the last past year, like like James Bond. I mean, everyone was waiting last yeah. what spring for it, and. So there are a lot of movies that should have been as well, which doesn't help the situation. Not that, you know, James Bonds are, you know, necessarily ever nominated, but, but yeah, there should be just the masses, somebody that more people have seen some of these movies. I don't know. I, I feel like I need to catch up on them though. <laughs> well, we all do. Uh, yeah. When we have some time at home, I'll be watching more of these movies. I just, right. I got to find some time at home when I'm not in the office to do this. <laughs> I know. Um, I love when people say, what are you doing today? I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> just like we all are, nothing. <laughs> yeah, there, there are people who have reached the end of Netflix. They, they clicked on something and went, no, you're done, finished. You've seen everything now. Yes. Let me ask you one more thing about this, about Hollywood, because I saw a story this week that I thought was absolutely, it, it got me thinking and I thought it was bang on and I had never considered it before. And they're pointing out from back in the 80s and 90s, we had this, this group of action stars, Bruce Willis, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Harrison Ford. Um, mm. There's others I'm forgetting about, maybe even Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. They were all in their 30, late 30s, 40s in the 80s when they were making it big. They're all yep. still doing action movies. Sylvester Stallone is 70-something now. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Harrison Ford, they're talking about they are now planning to make Indiana Jones 5. Yes. He will be, if they start production when they anticipate it, he will be 80 years old when oh, he is playing. Yeah. Indi- How do we plausibly have these guys still being action stars at their age now? I love it though. I mean, how great is that? It shows the, you know, the change in times, right? You know, actors aren't considered old and just thrown off into the, you know, off to the side anymore when they hit 50. I think it's kind of cool. I mean, I think Harrison Ford's awesome. I would totally watch him be Indiana Jones again, right? Uh, but yeah, it'd be Indiana go. Jones and the Curse of the Replaced Hip. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, like it's it is Tom Cruise. We mentioned Tom Cruise. He turns fifty nine this summer. He's still a baby of the group, and then he's doing a new Top Gun movie that's coming out. He's I don't even know if the <laughs> well. Do the Marines or the Air Force or the Navy, do they even allow pilots to be 59 and still flying fighter jets? I don't know. Maybe they do. Um, you don't see too many of the, the, they always leave to go and be commercial pilots. Maybe they still That's could right. if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm, I, the idea of Harrison Ford at 80, and look, I love all the Indiana Jones movies. I think Harrison Ford, most of his movies have been amazing, that and others. Mm-hmm. seeing him running around doing his whip and escaping Nazis and everything else at 80 years old. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, there may be a plausibility and a credibility chasm there. I think it's kind of cool that there's something cool about it at the same time. You know, I'm really interested to see, you know, this is coming from somebody who I want to live to like, to be like 110 and be like vital <laughs> and healthy. So, you know, oh, you like, will be just like, you know, go like do it. And I think it, it, you know what, it really helps with the whole ageism thing and getting beyond it because we should, you know, we should value our elders. And I think our society is kind of messed up in North America with that. So I think it might help with that. You know, it could. And I agree. I agree mm-hmm. that we do have a tendency to treat our, our elders like we do now our appliances where we don't fix them. We just throw them out. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, there is something that we do. And so you may be, that may be a great point that you raised that, you know, if Harrison Ford can be Indiana Jones at 80, that will help 
show that you're, as you say, still vital. I, I hope, mm-hmm. I hope, I really mm-hmm. hope because the alternative, I, and I can't remember the, how old he was. I think if you go back to the third Indiana Jones movie where Sean Connery was Indiana Jones's father. Oh yes. Yes. Sean Connery, I think was 59 years old when he played that part. So he is now 21 years, 29 years, whatever it is, 21 years younger than Harrison Ford will be being Indiana Jones again. And he looked really old. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I don't know. I love that he wants to be part of that, you know, like I just think it's, it's great that, that they're, they're going that direction. I'm, I'm just really curious with it. I think it's, I think it's great. (laughs) You know, the one thing, and we got to go run, the one thing that we are not seeing much of, and, and here's where the, maybe we still have some work to do. We're still seeing the Schwarzenegger, the Stallone, the Bruce Willis, the Harrison Ford doing it. Where are the, um, uh, oh, what, what's her name who did uh, Aliens? Um, Sigourney Weavers. Oh, yeah. Or the, where are the women action stars? I know that Linda Hamilton was in the last Terminator movie and she was... Mm-hmm late 60s i think yeah. now but yep. you know it, are, are, is That's that the next step is that the next step to make sure that we get you know the the, the what was her name who played marion in the first indiana jones movie should she not be in this one then whatever age she is now i don't know what age she is that's a good point i i, I think that would be fantastic because i know women have had even a tougher time with that in hollywood is is trying to even get past 50 and but i you, we're seeing the changes slowly uh, you know, with Meryl Streep and all of them, but uh, but yeah, you know, you know, absolutely, we need to do it with women as well, for sure. We will, uh, we will. I, I will be very interested to see if Harrison Ford can uh, can pull. I mean, I'm sure he'll pull it off. It's Hollywood; they'll figure something out for him. I don't know if he'll be doing all of his own stunts. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. They'll have 80 year old stuntmen doing it for him. They, you know, just don't, they may go through a lot of them, but um, yeah. listen, it. Uh, it is fantastic having Leslie Stewart, having you back on. Love having you anytime you can join us. Uh, fantastic guest. Thanks for all your insights today and for taking the time. Uh, thank you, Scott. It's so great to be on your show with you. And uh, and hang in there. I know you're loving at, being at home in your jammy pants. So enjoy the ride. <laughs> Still there right now. I probably shouldn't admit that. But uh, Life, Love, and Lipstick, go look it up. You can listen to the podcast, Leslie and Tracy Lynn. Uh, it is a lot of fun. Uh, you may find yourself shocked now and then with things that they say. If you, if you think that these two are prim and proper Edwardian ladies who will say nothing that will shock you, well, you may be surprised a little bit. There, I won't even say on the air because I don't know if I'm allowed to. One of the titles has something that uh, the prim and proper will go, oh, you see, you call the topic that. Well, yes, go go look it up. Go look it I up. Blame and Tracy. It, <laughs> You, yeah, it's, uh, it is well worth listening to. Listen, thanks for doing this today, Leslie. Really appreciate it. Thanks again, Scott. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.